Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Dravon James, who is the founder of Everyday Peace. She is an author and motivational speaker, and Dravon's goal is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams. Today, we're discussing her book, Freedom is Your Birthright. Dr. Dravon, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And so... um, what inspired you? I guess what inspires you to inspire other people? <laughs> That's a very good question. I, I really want to inspire people because my own life had so many challenges in it. And I thought, I looked through my life and I said, well, if I can be, if I can use what has occurred in my life to inspire other people, that would be awesome. But it even goes back further than that. When I was 17 years old, my brother, I was on my way to pharmacy school. My brother gave me a book. He's a year younger than me. Tiny little book by Norman Vincent Peale uh, entitled Freedom. I mean, that's my book entitled uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. And I read that book, and I got to tell you, it changed what I thought I knew about my purpose. I knew I wanted to help people, and that's why I was going to pharmacy school. I wanted to be a pharmacist. Actually, it was pharmacy pre-med. And when I read that book, I realized that this tiny little book really opened up for me. What I really wanted to do for people was to show them that they were more powerful over how they felt and how they operated in this world than they ever knew. And I didn't know how to do that at age 17. I, I had no idea. I, I didn't even heard the term really motivational speaker or inspirational speaker. I didn't know that was a thing back then. And so I went on, got a doctorate degree in pharmacy, and I, you know, my life continued. I had challenges in it, but I was studying everything I could from age 17 from the beginning of reading that book and forward that had to do with what I called peace. And I thought, I'm using these principles. And, and no, it doesn't get rid of all the external problems that occur in my life, but it's inspired me to use those things as stepping stones to get to where I want to be in my life. And I really felt passionate about helping people to see their life that way too. You know, um, thank you for doing that for other people. I think that we need um, more people to share ideas like this, um, you know, especially with, uh, you know, depression is on the rise in the world, and and I think a lot of people are feeling really lost and disconnected, and um, we need to know that we do have the power to change that. Yes, we do. That we are, you know, I think when I was 17, I got to tell you, when I started studying this stuff, I thought what I was looking for was a way to not have any problems in my life. And I think I talk about that in my book. I just really didn't want to have any problems. And I realized that I was going to evolve and develop just like every other thing on the planet through trials and tribulations that's going to cause growth and development. And when you look at things that way, it really makes the experience Um, more than just a problem. It really is an experience of evolution, getting to the better part of you. Which is a a good way to put it. Now, your book is titled, Freedom is Your Birthright. What do you mean by that? 
Yes, we are so free internally, as free as we choose to be. And that freedom, the acceptance of that freedom inside of our mind, inside of our being, will transcend to our external world when we accept the fact that it's up to me to tell you how this experience is going to be translated. The experience occurs. You know, things happen. Person A and person B could have the same experience in their life, and they view it totally different, and that's where the freedom is, our perspective, how we view what we choose to do with the things that are occurring on this journey. We're free to do that. We're free to call it what it's, you know, to name it. I, I love this, you know, and I go back and I use this reference all the time, even though the book is not a religious book, but I think about when Adam was in the Garden of Eden and God says, you know, brings him all these different things. He goes, what do you want to call that? What do you want to call this? What do you want to call that? And that's the same thing in our life. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and what do you want to call that? Do you want to call that that maybe that individual is having an extreme emergency? Or do you want to call that just another thing on the pathway of ruining your life or ruining your day? We get, we are free to name everything that occurs in our life. And we need to really own that, that it can occur, but we give it the value. Well, you know, I, I love that, that you're saying that, especially that we get to own our, our response. Um, I've, I've, we've had this discussion at work quite a bit that, that there's not as much accountability in the world as there used to be. And, and so it's really easy to, to look at a problem in your life and to just place blame elsewhere and not take accountability for your reaction, for your response, and your part in the situation. Yeah, and I think people are hesitant to do that because they feel like, well, if they just look at their part in the situation, that it really absolves the person who, the offender, is like saying, well, you get away with this if I take responsibility for my action. But it's not that at all because what we're doing is taking charge of our happiness. I tell people, don't look at it. Don't, this is your life, irregardless to what another person happens in their life. This is your life. Do you really want all that baggage? A blame just creates so much baggage, and it gives you more. That energy attracts more things to blame. So do you really want that on your shoulders? Of course you don't. You want to walk through this life with your shoulders being as light as possible. So when you take responsibility and say, you know what, I'm going to choose. My mother used to call it choosing the high road. I'm going to choose to tell the story, to own the situation and say, this is what happens, but tell the story in a way that relieves me of placing blame. Uh, Which is really important. Now, you did talk also about um, a response to something that happens, and I I think that this can also be um, considered stress, like a stressful situation. So if you're in a a stressful situation, whether it's somebody cutting you off in traffic or the the bigger things that can happen in our lives, um, what exactly do you, um, what is your definition of stress? Stress? Oh, stress is, and it's not my definition. I'm going to give you, um, I don't have it verbatim in my mind right now, but I use um, this definition that I got some time ago from the Cleveland Clinic, which stresses the body's reaction to change in which the body feels, the self feels like it has to respond or acknowledge the change. It's how the body reacts to that. And it's so important to realize that the body has, is, is, is a machine. 
just like, you know, you turn the faucet or, or you put your key in the ignition of the car. Certain gears happen and certain things happen. Okay, the body is a machine and certain things happen in the body. But we as being a higher level thinking person, we realize, okay, something's happened. A change has happened. I went to a doctor's office. I got some results. A change has been introduced to my body and my body is going to automatically respond. But I am a thinking being. I now have the capability, maybe no other you know, living, per, living thing on the planet has this capability. I now have the capability to make a decision about that, which will, which will in turn recalibrate cortisol levels. Isn't that amazing? That I can take, well, you know... Yeah, go ahead. I, I think it's amazing that we have that, that decision to have a different response as well so we can change how our body responds to what's happening to us. Yes, we can choose that response because automatically, until you, this takes practice. Automatically, you hear something and it's a jolt to the system. Most of us do not like change, right? It's, most people do not like change. Whether any an understatement. Change, just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's an understatement that we don't like change. I agree. Right, right. We just do not like change. And so, once we, once anything, it could be, it could be something as, you know, lab results from a doctor's office or changing your work schedule at work. And you think about all the other cascade events that are going to have to happen because of that. When we get that, we, the awareness, we have to first be aware, yes, change has occurred and I'm still safe. In this moment, I'm still safe. Don't rush so quickly to the next moment. We rush and we scare ourselves. We start talking about all the other things. Oh my gosh. You know, doom is ahead of me because this change happened. No, it's okay not to like that it happened. It's okay. You don't have to like everything that happens. It doesn't mean that it's going to ruin your life. You know, we were kids. Most of us didn't like to eat string beans or peas. It has not ruined our life, right? So a change has happened. Acknowledge how you feel about it. Don't ever stuff your feelings. I'm not a stuffer of feelings. I, I tried that many years ago in my teens and early 20s, you know, denying, oh, you know, you're, positivity. You've got to be real with yourself and say, this change has happened. I wish that it hadn't happened. But now that it's here, I realize that in this moment right now, the only moment that I have, all my power exists right now, I'm still safe. Cortisol levels will reduce. Your ego stops playing games with you. You, take, you, you go back into the command position of your earthly experience. It's a game changer. Um, so you mentioned um, ego. What, what does that mean? For me, how I define ego is ego is my two-year-old self, and I love using a two-year-old as a definition of ego for me. Ego, first of all, we need to know that ego is not our enemy. Ego wants to keep us safe. It does. The ego doesn't want change either because it knows how painful it is, you know, just the idea of change. But the ego has the intellectual capacity of a two-year-old. So although it wants to keep you safe, it doesn't know how to. In fact, many of its tactics will only cause you more stress, right? And sometimes what the ego perceived as perceives as danger isn't even danger, but it only has two-year-old intellectual capacity. So if it doesn't recognize it as being what it was yesterday or what it was five minutes ago, it perceives it as danger. So that's the whole ego experience for me. I don't believe in like 
trying to fight the ego. I, we subdue it. We calm it down, much like we would a two-year-old. You know, two-year-olds are, for those of us who've had experience with two-year-olds, they're fabulous beings. We love them. But my goodness, when a two-year-old gets in a situation where things don't appear to be going the way they want them, they can throw a horrible tantrum. They could, you know, they could dismantle your whole system. They could bring a grown man to his knees. They can just really be that forceful. That's the way our ego is. When it perceives that we are in danger, that something is changing, it throws a tantrum. And we really have to come in there and soothe the ego, you know, just like you would proverbially rubbing them on the back. I used to tell my ego, okay, I see that change has occurred. I see you're getting upset. Let me, the adult, Take a look at this. I need you to calm down. And that self-talk is so important. It does so many things to the ego. It reconnects the ego with, hey, I'm in control. Things are not out of control here. But we have to realize it because sometimes we have a difficult time separating what an, what an ego response is from our true response, from our emotional intelligence. We just fly off the handle and follow this two-year-old ego down whatever path, and we know how dangerous and crazy that can be. <laughs> well, and I, and I think it's important to talk about it. I think we sometimes get stuck in those those two-year-old responses. I've definitely seen adults have uh, tantrums. And, and you know, if, if we don't have that, that inward reflection on ourselves, we, we can be continually having these responses without realizing the damage we're doing not only to other people but to ourselves as well. Yeah, because hurt people do what? They hurt other people, right? So when you, when you realize that you're causing a lot of damage to other people, you first have to realize that you're first really causing a lot of damage for yourself. And that self-awareness is key. Self-awareness is, to me, fundamental to having a balanced life. Most of us are not self-aware at all. We're aware of what's going on with, on with a celebrity's life and what's going on in the media and the politicians, but what's going on in our own life, we're not that aware of because we don't spend that quiet time with ourselves. We're always engaged, tuned in, and plugged in to something, whether it be our technology, our job source, what have you. We're always looking outward. You know, it's a shame our eyes point outward, right? But we're always looking outward, always distracted by what, what our physical eyes see instead of taking that time to sit. Or, you know, not you don't have to sit, you could walk, but be with ourself and look, turn our eyes inward and ask this very basic question. How are you feeling today? And I do that frequently for myself and I encourage people that I talk with all the time, check in with yourself often, often, Often check in with yourself. Ask that very basic question. How are you doing today? And then don't rush to the answer. You know, if someone asks you at the coffee machine or at the water cooler how you're doing and you give a very trite answer, oh, I'm fine, how are you? And you rush off because you know they're not really interested. But it's you talking to you, checking in with you. Show yourself a lot more love and patience. When you get ready to give a very trite and banal answer, stop. Say, no, I, I really want to know. And I, I often tell people how I do it is I have these categories. I call them the big three, meaning that everything, every goal and desire that we have in our life, I believe, falls into one of three categories, health, wealth, and relationship. And I'll ask myself, how are you feeling about your health today? So it's a very, you know, I'm in a category, and it gives my mind and my whole body a chance to respond and say, wow, I didn't sleep that well last night. Wow. 
So it gives me a chance to process that. And I go through, how are you feeling about your finances? And then there is child, you know, child tuitions and, and job security and career choices. All of that's in there. And my body gets a chance to reflect on that. How are you feeling about your relationships today? You can go through your, you know, romantic relationships, your relationships with coworkers and family and friends. And it gives you a chance to really become self-aware of where you are. Where are some of the stress and disappointment or joy, you know, in your own life? The more we understand ourselves and are aware of ourselves, the more we can be in a place where we're in better control of how we respond to stress in our life and do less damage to ourselves and to other people. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Dravon James, and we're discussing her book, Freedom is Your Birthright. And we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Riss. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Drayvon jo- um, James. And uh, um, so, Dr. Drayvon, in your book you talk about negative conversation. What does that mean? Oh, my gosh. You know, those are those conversations that we all have, and we don't think that much of them at the time, but they're conversations about things that we don't want to show up in our life, right? And I do believe that everything is energy. You know, that law of thermodynamics, that energy is never created or destroyed. It simply changes forms. And so everything is energy, and every word that comes out of our mouth is important. 
for us to create internal space of peace and to create an external space of peace for people in our environment. So when I first started um, making sure that my conversations reflected what I wanted in my my life and not what I didn't want, I had a difficult time thinking about what I was going to talk about because I realized that so much of the conversations that I had with people were about things that I didn't want, whether it was something as simple as the weather or behavior from my children or job situations or um, relationship situations, always from a negative standpoint. And when we put out negative energy, we attract more negative energy. It's so very important when we're exercising our freedom to create the life of our dreams that we talk about or talk in terms of what we want, not about what we don't want. Um, And I should have said at the very beginning of our discussion that the definition that we use for peace with everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James is that peace is wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. And we try to keep our conversations that way. It is necessary to talk about those things that, you know, conflict and things of that nature, but it's important how we have those conversations, how we frame our words, uh, choosing words that support an environment of whole and complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. So it it requires some rethinking and restructuring. We can do it. We're intelligent beings. We can do it, and we're worth it. We're worth that investment to slow down on our conversations and say, you know what, hmm, I just love it when I have uh, thought-provoking conversations. That's another way of saying, you know, goodness gracious, every time I meet with this guy, there's an argument, you know. Well, it's 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 an opportunity to see things from a different vantage point. It's an opportunity for you to learn how to support your viewpoints more strongly. Using our well, words is very important. So can, can you give us, I, I guess, an example? I, I think it's really hard for people to, well, first of all, this has changed, and I, I think we're hardwired to, to be negative. I've had a, a few conversations about this, and, and ruminating, and and neg- negativity is, is actually very addictive, so we get, kind of get stuck in it, and, and we get taught it by our parents and people around us. And so what would that look like, and what would the change look like? Yeah, so I, you're, you're absolutely right. We're hardwired for that. And I know as I was raising my children, I used to tell them, I said, the cheapest way to make friends is to bind together over something negative. We do it all, to, all together. But that's not the most authentic way to make new friends. So you can make friends by you both, you know, trashing the teacher and saying, oh, the teacher's this, this, and so now you've got this bond. But this bond is built on something very weak. It's built on pain and shame and blame. Now, wouldn't you rather create bonds that are built on strong, life-affirming principles like joy and happiness and inclusive? Because those bonds are strong and they make you feel great inside. Think about how you feel inside when you, when you get into a place of judgment. You don't feel as happy and as powerful as possible. So it does take a while. And I talk about it in the book. For me, I would get into um, social situations and I'd feel so awkward because I didn't know what to talk about. People would be complaining about the weather or they complain about things going on in the news or complaining about the poli- you know, politics and I was just awkward. I would just stand there, and I, did, I was like, I don't know what to say because this is really hard. No one wants to be awkward. First, I want to tell everybody, change takes time. Become comfortable. Allow yourself to be comfortable feeling awkward. It's okay. 
Allow yourself to be comfortable feeling awkward. These are small tools that we teach our children in elementary school. We say, hey, don't run after the crowd. Be your own person. Now, as an adult, we have to turn, we have to become the liver of that advice, right? We've got to live that experience and say, hey, I'm going to be okay standing in this change process and not to change in a way where we become so uh, pretentious with it, where we're putting people down. Oh, that's negative. I wouldn't say that if I were you because that's not going to help anybody feel better. A simple thing is to say, yeah, I feel differently about that. And then people get curious. This spot right there, yeah, I feel differently about that. People get curious or they walk away. But either way, you haven't hurt their feelings and you haven't pushed your viewpoints on them. It gives them an opportunity to ask more questions about your viewpoint if they're interested and give them an opportunity to get sucked into this great way of living or gives them the opportunity to gracefully bow out and go talk to someone else. Well, it, I, this is Im- important um, to, to discuss, but also um, how would you talk about, let's say somebody's having a bad day, let's say one of your children comes home and, and something bad had happened. How would you discuss that in a way that that is more positive but still acknowledging that something was there that needed to be discussed? Oh, and, and I want to say that I have two children, so this, these are real-life experiences for me. And <laughs> one, of the, one of the tactics that I always use is that I listen. You've got to listen first. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So I listen, and I try to create an environment where I can listen for as long as they need to talk. I love to use human contact when appropriate, hand on the knee or maybe rubbing my son's back as he's talking. And I used to use it a lot when he was smaller. He's in 11, going into 11th grade now, so, you know, you've got to have a mission <laughs> to touch. But I, I listen and I let them pour out. And then I affirm them. I, you know, I say something that encourages them, something that is true about that person. It doesn't even have to relate to that story. Just I know that I see goodness in, in people. I do. That's my choice. That's how I choose to see the world. Whether or not you just told me that, you know, a story that was, I can blatantly see how you could have done differently. I can see goodness in you and I can see myself in you. So there's the empathetic part of that. And I listen and then I say, you know, I always say, that is one way to view that. And a lot of times people will talk about children come and feel like they've been wronged. Another person has wronged them, has overlooked them. And I acknowledge that, that feeling that you have. Because who am I to say? Who are we to say that your feelings are wrong? What I can then do after I say, yeah, I, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I'm so sorry that it, that happened to you because I wouldn't want anything like that to happen to you. What if, just what if the teacher actually meant this? I mean, I know it sounds crazy to even think it because we know about her past behavior, but just what if I just introduce another possibility to the situation, always going back to affirming them as a person, affirming them as having a right to their feelings, and then gently suggesting that would it be, would you feel better if we added a little bit more possibility to the situation, just possibility. And here are some ways that maybe some solutions that we could possibly take. 
but listening and letting them become aware that they have a full range of emotions. It's always very easy to go to the to anger because anger, we think, protects us, right? We're not vulnerable when we're angry. We're not vulnerable when we're angry. That's how we believe anyway, right? And that sadness makes us so vulnerable. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to know the difference between the two. And it's okay to make allowances for other people's behavior, hurtful behavior. It doesn't mean that we have to accept it. Sometimes it's quite appropriate to address it with love. And it's a long process. It's a change process. But I really work at listening and affirming the person for, for even being able to express how often as we as adults, we don't express that we're anger, angry or that anything's wrong. We bottle that in and then we have a, this explosive moment on, for, on someone who was not even involved in all of the buildup. Which is true. I think that happens uh, a lot. Um, you know that I think what road rages and and you know what happens when people are standing in line at the post office or something and then they get angry at random people. Um, I think that's people not not dealing with their feelings and recognizing that they have those and looking inward at at what's going on. And I think a lot of what people seem to be afraid of as well is asking for what they need. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, in a certain situation, because they're afraid of what would happen if they did so. Yeah, that vulnerability, right? Because we all yeah. want to be seen. We're we're living in an age where things are happening so fast that they're almost, you know, we've, we've engineered computers and. People believe that they have to be superhuman almost. They can't make error. Error defines them. You know, they're supposed to be um, totally. Uh, I tell people, I, I work in healthcare and I get so many emails an hour. It's unbelievable. People believe that because they can send me a message really quickly that I can respond really quickly. And I always tell them, I'm the same human I was before the computer became such a popular thing. And my processing of all of this information doesn't move as fast as you being able to, to get me the question. So I need that time. But for a lot of people, they're afraid to ask for what they need. You're, you're absolutely right because they don't want to be seen as less than less than or weak or vulnerable, not being able to keep up with the pack, you know, that vulnerability, that fear of not being enough. And that's why listening is so important because it says you are enough just the way you are. You are enough. You know enough to be in this moment. Well, and, and, you know, just with your, uh, you know, the, when you're talking about the conversations with your children, you are having empathy for their situation and listening to them. And, and I think that we're, we're kind of lost a lot of that um, in our, in, you know, being in a hurry. We've lost our some empathy and we've lost our compassion for other people. And we're stuck in our own ego to, to use that conversation as well. Uh, and, you know, people are are not, it, it, it's interesting because we're not really looking at what we're feeling, but we're not looking at what other people are feeling either, and then we're just kind of blindly going about um, this life without seeing anything or anyone, um, which I think is important. Uh, it could be why there's so much depression and so much loneliness, and that that is on the rise higher than it's ever been because we're so blind to each other, and we're not feeling that anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's almost, I joke with people sometimes, like we're birthing computers, right? Because it's almost we, we want, 
we just kind of go through our life with these blinders on, and we're all about productivity. How much can we get done? How fast can we do it? How can we do it with as little sleep as possible? One more energy drink, one more of this. Keep driving, keep driving until we just hit a brick wall. You know, there's depression, there's anxiety. You know, we're so focused on the next achievement. And the next achievement has to be something that wows the world. It's, it's not, you know, growing a tomato plant in the backyard or these small things that calm us down that we really do need. We need. We need human connection. We need connection with nature. We are wired this way in as much as we try to say that we don't need it in order so we can work a 16-hour day and these, you know, be these massive consumers of, of things. We actually need intimate connection. But in order to do that, we need to first love on ourselves and feel safe in our own skin. And we don't. Most people are scared all of the time, and they're fearful all the time. And everything that we point to in society reinforces that, really. You know, that we're not enough where we are. You know, we're not good enough. We haven't achieved enough. We don't have enough. And if we're constantly being plugged into that message we eventually start to internalize that. And we pull away from even ourselves. It's hard to connect with ourselves, let alone connecting with someone else. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think that, that there's um, a lot of, of self-help on, on the rise of, of being aware of yourself and, and meditation, and, and, and I think that there's a reason for that. I think that we need more of that that internalized, um, uh, you know, awareness of what we're doing and how we're feeling. I mean, a lot of people go about, um, you know, people come in my office and they don't know how they feel. They can't tell me what their symptoms are or how bad their symptoms are because they're so disconnected um, and and no one's ever taught them to be aware of how they feel and, and what's going on. Oh, that was true for me at some point, too. And, and I'll tell you, I, I started studying peace at age 17. And, you know, I now call it peace. But I just read everything I could get my hands on about how to really connect with myself and do good in the world. And one of the things that I connected with very early on was the sense of positivity. And so, and I was 17, I was filled with a lot of fear. And although I was taking in a lot of good information, I was mixing it with my 17-year-old brain and all the fear that I had in there. And I hadn't gotten proper guidance. And so I just started suppressing everything. And I just would put a smile on and say, you know, something good about everything instead of becoming aware of the information and processing that and allowing myself to feel through that. I got to a point where I couldn't tell you what I felt. I just, I, I didn't know. I, did, I didn't know, and that was a very uncomfortable place to be in, which is when I went back and started saying, okay, i got to start asking myself some basic questions, and the basic question, which remains today, 30 years later, is, Drayvon, how are you feeling today? And just waiting for an answer, and I would journal that. I still journal that question and that answer. I journal the question, I journal the answer, and I look, and I say, okay, well, I want you to be doing better than that in this area. How can I support you there? Why didn't you sleep well last night? You know, there's always going to be more emails than there are time. You know, so this is how much sleep we need, and this is what we're going to commit to. And loving on yourself, when you love on yourself and you make sacrifices to take care of self, 
you will be amazed at how much it will fix other external issues. But we're afraid of that because we've been told that sacrifice, you know, self-sacrifice leads to these tremendous gains. We've been taught that. We teach our children that. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And although there is an amount of sacrifice, you know, we do delay gratification. That's intelligent for long-term gain. But there are some areas in our life where we've got to have hard stops and say, okay, I need to have a boundary here. I need to have a boundary there. And that's hard to teach. It's hard to teach our young people because we as adults haven't really practiced it. Yeah, I think that that this is really important. And we're going to talk about it more when uh, we come back. Today we're talking to Drayvon James, and uh, we're discussing her book, Freedom is Your Birthright. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Drayvon Jones and, uh, sorry, James, <laughs> sorry. And uh, we're discussing her book, Freedom is Your Birthright. So, Dr. Drayvon, um, when, you know, we're working on re- reducing stress and everything, one thing you talk about in your book that's really important is forgiveness. Can you just touch on that for us? Yes. Oh, forgiveness. I love forgiveness. And I know that it's difficult for a lot of people that I talk to because, some people have been wronged in so many, uh, gosh, really heartfelt ways. And to tell you that, I would love to tell you this story about a woman that I met, and she told me her story, and it really was years and years ago, and it helped me to really get a handle on forgiveness. She was an older woman, and she's since passed away. She was a writer, and I happened to meet her, and she said that she was the last living person in her family that she knew of. She had no other known relatives. She had been sent north uh, as a young woman 
from her family in the South, and her mom and dad, and they passed away, and they were the only ones that she knew that they had relatives in that town. In the North, she had one aunt who passed away. She herself had one child, a son. So she had herself and the son. That was the only family members that she knew about. Her son got married and then was involved in a um, terrible incident where he was murdered by his wife. And that was the end of that. There were no children in that union. That woman ended up going to jail. I think she may have been a girlfriend, a fiancé, not yet a wife, a fiancé. She ended up going to jail, and it was just left this lady by herself. And she said she was spent years and just in pain. And she realized that in order for the pain, that was her last living relative. She was alone in the world, and she had some issues with loneliness, and she'd been dealing with that her whole life. And she said in order for her to free herself, she had to forgive her son, her only son's murderer. Not only did she forgive this woman, who I believe, like I said, was a fiancé, not a wife, she became uh, a regular visitor to the prison system, and her story was just incredible. And it reinforced something for me that I'd read many, many years ago, that forgiveness is not, about, it's not an external thing, although we're forgiving an external act, but the rewards are totally selfish. When you forgive someone, you free your heart, your soul, your life experience from bondage. You're no longer in the place of blame. That blame, that blame energy is very, very negative. It's very, very heavy. It causes, you know, self-pity, resentment, all of which draw negativity towards you. And going back to my belief that everything is energy, it draws more energy towards you, gives you more things to feel um, resentful about, more things to feel uh, self-pity about, more things to blame about. So this being in a place of forgiveness is so very important. Forgiveness does not mean I condone your activity. We get that confused a lot. We think I'll withhold forgiveness because if I do forgive you, you'll believe that I'm saying that I'm okay with what you did. What I'm saying is that I set you free in my heart. I set you free so I can free space in my heart to receive more goodness. I understand that I myself am also flawed. No, I may never commit the wrongs that you have done, but I am aware that I will commit some wrongs today in my life. And I forgive you so that I am free to forgive me. Doesn't mean I condone what you did, but we are afraid to be, again, vulnerable. We are afraid that we'll be hurt again. I would submit to you that we're more likely to be hurt if we stand in our life experience and just keep gathering more unforgiveness because we're gathering more energy that's charged with blame and shame and, un- and un- unforgiveness and negativity, and we draw more of that to us. So please, I encourage everyone, if there's something that's happened to you recently or in the very, in the very distant past or the far-go past, Find it in your heart, space in your heart to free yourself. Make it about you. It's okay. Make the experience about you. But forgive that person. Set them free in your heart so you can open up space for something good to come in and replace that. It's so very important. Forgiveness is the answer for so many health conditions. Oh, my gosh. I read an article years and years ago that talked about 
um, these negative energy draws to its sickness and disease, and it specifically talked about cancers. And I thought, if, all, if, if people knew that all it took was creating some light energy in your space to ward off some sickness, we'd do it. We would do it in a heartbeat. Nothing is worth your, your sickness, your health. Be quick to forgive, slow to anger. It creates a wonderful life experience for us. So you're talking about um, forgiving other people, and I know that one thing that a lot of people struggle with is forgiving themselves. Oh, yes. I talk about that in the book. The first person we need to forgive is ourselves because we hold ourselves with such shame, and I'd like to share this acronym that someone told me a few months ago, and I absolutely love it. Shame stops us from doing a lot of things, but shame stands for should have already mastered everything should have already mastered everything. When we hear that, we realize how ridiculous that is that we hold ourselves to that level, that we should have already mastered everything in any category of our life. So be willing to be forgiving of yourself, realizing that you are, I am, each each and every one of us is, a work in motion. We are being created. We are flying the plane and building the plane at the same time, right? Because we're becoming our best self in the middle of some very new and uncomfortable experiences. And we're going to make mistakes, so-called mistakes. You know, they call this sin. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to. And that's going to give us an opportunity to practice forgiveness for ourselves. It's going to give other people an opportunity to practice forgiving us so that they grow and develop. But we must first forgive ourselves for everything everything, from the smallest thing to the largest thing in our life. Forgive ourselves. When we know better, we do better. As simple as that. And if we thought we knew better and we still did that, we, didn't, we, we hadn't accepted it 100% yet. It's okay. We have today. We can evolve and we can change. And I know it sounds simplistic. It does. I look at some of the things that did in my, in my youth or in my ignorance or when I was angry, and I shudder sometimes. You know, I say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that, Drayvon. I can't believe you, you, know, you, you behaved that way. And then I have to be quick to say, but I forgive you. You're worthy of forgiveness. You're worthy of forgiveness. Because if I don't do that, guess what happens? My ego gets in a place where, they're not, where it's not safe. It feels threatened. And I'm more likely to have more ego activity, which means I'm more likely to do more things that I wish I hadn't done without forgiveness. Forgive yourself first. It will cause a cascade of wonderful things happening in your life. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, you also talk about being more present. How does that work? What does that mean? To be in this moment, to become an observer of your life in this moment. Being present, another thing that I suffered with, because I was always, the present moment we think is so painful, we can't stay in this present moment. And so we go back and we, we you know, you used the word earlier, ruminate. <laughs> we ruminate over past failures or past, or, you know, past wrongs that have been done to us or that we have committed. And here is the situation with the past. We can't go back and change anything yesterday. It is not an intelligent use of our time. Whether the past was so wonderful we'd like to recapture it, we can't. Or whether it was so horrible we'd like to go back and just change one or two things, we can't. Staying in the past is not an intelligent use of our time because we have no power over the past. 
But then there's that alluring future. And if he could just, you know, in my own mind, I'll say this, I went through this phase where if I could just get out of where I am now and be where I want to be, things will be so wonderful. But guess what? Now is when I'm going to learn all the stuff that I'm going to need in the future to make the future so wonderful. So I don't have any power over tomorrow either. All of my power, the most intelligent response we can have is to be in this moment because all of our power exists in this moment. Anything that we want to create for tomorrow, we must first start to create in this moment, whether it is with our attention to detail about that thing or our attention to our thought patterns or getting into the right company, everything occurs in the now, in the now. And that's so important. And that's again, goes back to that wonderful question that I have. Drayvon, how are you feeling? And we could add, how are you feeling now? Not how you felt five minutes ago. Because I can't do anything about that. Not how, how you think you're going to feel an hour from now. How are you feeling right now? If I take care of you right now, if I take good care of myself right now, my future will be that much better. I can, all I can do about the past is learn. There is no need to go back there and think about, I should have done this, I could have done this, I would have done this. Absolutely not. You're here in this moment. All of your power lies in this moment. The most intelligent response that you can have over your life is to be be and remain in the present moment. Which is, you know, really important, you know, when we're talking about how people aren't aware of how they're feeling and, and, you know, aware even of how stress is affecting them. I think you, you can't be aware if you're always thinking about what's going to happen in an hour or what happened yesterday you're you're not going to be aware of what's happening right now right and we're so afraid of what's happening you know i always tell people you know you got depression and anxiety on both ends of that you know because you're depressed over what happened in the past you can't believe what happened to you back there and you know how they could treat you that way or you're depressed because the good old days are gone and look at where you are today you wish you were back there in the good old days and then you're fearful about what tomorrow brings because that's more change and we already established that we don't want change but it looks like things are going to change so even from that point even with our fear we can even use this and say okay we're Fearful about the past and what happened there. We're fearful about the future. We're safe here in the, in the present moment. And the present moment means the present moment. It means this moment right now, the moment that you're hearing this conversation, the moment that you're participating in this conversation right now. It doesn't mean the moment two seconds from now because that's the future. It means that you're safe in this moment. And I, that's so encouraging when you really think about it, if you break your life down to just milliseconds at a time and you realize, oh, my gosh, I've been safe for a whole 60 seconds, a whole 60 minutes, a whole, you know, and then it starts to encourage you. And it starts to give your ego something tangible to play with. You see, I told you I'd keep you safe. I know you have the intellectual capacity talking about the ego of a two-year-old. But I told you, look, I kept you safe for 60 seconds. You know, we can't think about the future. We're just going to concentrate on the second right here. That's a great way to calm and self-soothe ourselves and be productive in this moment. Which is, um, uh, I think, really important, something that we all need to work on. Just, you know, even once an hour, just go, okay, this is, 
it's this is what I'm feeling right now and just checking in with yourself and, and seeing what's going on. And then eventually I think you can develop more awareness of yourself if you continue to do that. Yeah, I used to have a timer set on my on my cell phone. <laughs> Back when we used to have the flip yeah. phones. I think there are a lot of apps and things that do that now so you, so you can just, you know, be reminded to breathe and, and take that moment. Yes, you're worth it. You're worth it. And it takes two, people are so busy, but that literally takes two seconds. Do some breathing exercises to center yourself. You know, and those people who are not into the breathing, I, I highly support that. But ask yourself a simple question, you know, how are you feeling right now? And make sure that the answers have to do with the present moment, not yesterday and not an hour from day, this moment right now. Exactly. Um, so, is there if if somebody wants more information, is there a way that they can get a hold of you or your book? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about getting a hold of me. I am available at www. DrDrayvonJames.com. That's my website. And I love to give my email address too because I find that listeners always email me and I love to get them at info at DrDrayvonJames.com. And that's D-R-D-R-A, B as in victory, O-N, James like jamesbond.com. So that's a e- direct email. I also host a radio program every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James, where we have one mission, which is to teach, model, and inspire people to develop a life of peace every day. We have some fabulous guests on there um, to talk about that and how to do that in every arena of our life. Um, I'm, I'm doing tours. I'm everywhere. I just got back from Williamsburg, Virginia. So if you if you have an event and you'd like for me to be there to be a speaker, if you reach out to me at um, either my email address or my uh, website, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, where else can you find me? You can find my book, Freedom is Your Birthright, on Amazon.com, Freedom is Your Birthright. And I'm, cost, I'm doing a training course right now called The Brilliant Life. I'm helping people get from where they are in this present moment to advance to where they want to be using the principles of everyday peace. And if you're interested in checking that out, you can visit um, bit.ly forward slash the brilliant life. And that's B as in boy, I, T like Tuesday, dot L-Y forward slash the brilliant life. So that's a little bit about where you can find me, where you can get the book. And if I can, the book is a tiny book. It's designed to be a tiny book under 100 pages because I really want people to use it as a reference book. Go through it, read read through it, and then go back, do the exercises, refer to it. It's very simplistic. I love things. Keep it simple, sweetie. I love that acronym because life can be complex. It can be. But perfect. To our, well, I want to um, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I had a, a really, really great time with you. Oh, thank you for having me. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. If you want more about my story, you can find that on dr-risk.com. Don't forget to find me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 